you know my name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Bynema. And today we are talking about fighting for joy when you should have it, but you don't. Yeah, I th- we're uh, kind of, uh, you, you, I think you said Sunday morning that there were some things that you wanted to get to in the sermon and you just didn't have time. And so what a great time and great opportunity maybe to uh, just flesh those out a little bit more. Yes. And before I get to, I forgot we need to tell you. Uh, my my like squeamishness of mentioning the podcast on Sunday, it's it's not because I don't enjoy having conversations with Scott, or I don't. It, it's not even that I don't think this is a valuable thing. I've been told by many of you, you're grateful, and so th- thank you for that. I I I hope that it's valuable to you. Um, it's just this like this tension in me about self promotion that I I feel I don't know. It's a little cringy. It's a little hard for me to stomach even just it going. Should be. Hey, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. You should listen to my podcast. You know, it's just the struggle. So anyhow, that's all that is. I just wanted you to know. Mm. Well, so maybe a good question to get us started. I, I appreciate it so much about what you what you said on Sunday. But what is it? What does it look like for a person who's just struggling to find joy? If I, maybe I could ask it this way: Is it wrong? Yeah, I'm going through a season of my life that's just so hard right now, and I have no joy. Is is that wrong? Yeah. So that that was the impetus of this this point in the sermon where I said, you know, I, I want to tease this out, but I, I just don't have time. So we'll do it on a podcast. And and the text is out of Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians three one. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Like, it's a command. You need to do this. And I tried to say in the sermon, ask the question, what happens if I don't have joy? You, I'm supposed to, but I don't have it. What am I to do? And so to the question of, is it wrong? It maybe, but maybe not. I think there is a, uh, a sinful lack of trust in God that could lead to a lack of joy. So there's that possibility there is a uh, essentially a refusal to to look into the hope that you have in the gospel that can lead to a lack of joy, and that can be a sinful state of mind. So there's a possibility, yes, that you are wrong. There's probably many other different variations of why you don't have joy, but there's also a biblical possibility that even though you are redeemed, even though you are in Christ, even though you are a chosen. Uh, uh, redeemed person who's in right relationship with God, that it's a struggle to find joy. And we can find that, and pointed to a few examples. There are a few Psalms, I believe I'm doing this off the top of my head. I want to say Psalm 39 and Psalm 88, I think I have those right, that both end um, negative. They, they don't have the, but I will trust in the Lord turn. They just end quite morose. If, if a psychologist were to read it, they would say, this person is depressed. Or if you go through and read uh, the, the the prophet Jeremiah, he's called the weeping prophet. Or one of them that I really like to point to is with uh, Hannah in First Samuel chapter one, who prays with bitterness in her soul, and because she she's longing for a child and she doesn't, and, that, and it brings a a struggle, a fight to find joy. There are seasons situations, times, am I right? That's Psalm 39. Did I get that one right? Does I, the, is, is the last verse you were looking up? Well, um, yeah, I wasn't looking at, I was looking at the one that came right after that, 40. <laughs> but um, 39. Last verse in 39. 
I don't have my Bible in front of me. That's yeah, a, look that's away from me that I might smile again before I depart. Yeah, so there's that's a negative way to no end more. a psalm. Yeah. Is that my computer that just made that noise? My, uh, the intro music plays on my computer. If we get a ton of uh, emails or texts through this, sorry. Um, so th- th- there's a, there is a biblical category of saved, redeemed, and right relationship with God and struggling to find joy. So uh, what I want to say to you is don't, immediately excuse yourself if you're a Christian and you're not finding joy. I mean, do the hard work, but if you are in that spot, I feel for you. The, those times happen, and and lament is not wrong. It's, it's okay to sit in the brokenness for a time period, and I'm, I'm not saying you don't trust God, but to to ask hard questions. God leaves that open to us to struggle to find joy, and even in when we when we know we should have it, which is the the case for every Christian. We all know we should have joy because of what Christ has done for us. But there are times when it's hard, right? Where it's a fight, a struggle. Yeah, I think what you're saying. We live in a broken world, and there's brokenness in us. There's brokenness all around us, and part of living in a broken world is we're going to experience um, deep sadness. We're going to experience deep lament, and the Psalms are instructive Mm -hmm. in that. Um, We see throughout the Psalms examples of where the psalmist is just overwhelmed by his circumstances. Perhaps it's his enemies. Perhaps it's health. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's a number of things, but it ju- the circumstances become overwhelming. That's a real human experience. And yes. I think what you're saying is it is a real human experience. So the idea perhaps that, well, I'm just supposed to be joyful all the time, is it, it, it's, it's not normative living in a broken world. There, it's one of the things that perpetually frustrates me about particularly American evangelicalism, is this like pretend I'm always happy. It's like a country club Christianity where everybody's everybody's fine and I'm fine. I've got it together. We'll wear our sweaters and we'll sip our coffee and, and everything is good. And it's just not, and that's not the New Testament. That's that's not Christianity. This isn't peace. It's the sword, right? Like it's going to be a, a slog sometimes. There's a reason why the writer of Hebrews has to come along and say, don't give up. I know you're you're like on the edge. Don't give in because the Christian life is not an easy one to live. If you are living an easy Christian life, you're not living a biblical Christian life. Here's, I mean, here's the hard part. I mean, I, I even catch myself when I say normative, when I said normative earlier, and yet, it seems as we read Paul, yeah. for Paul, joy was normative. Right. No matter the circumstances, no matter the relationships, you know, that were going on that were, you know, less than desirable and less than good, Paul was marked by joy. It was normative for him. So how do we, how do we reconcile Paul with the Psalms? Yes. Uh one, I, I'd want to suggest it is normative. Even though I'm saying there's a possibility that you can not be in sin and struggle to find joy, it is the standard, the expectation that you will be joyful. And I would say that the, the deeper your faith matures, 
the harder it is for your joy to be knocked off kilter. And, and you can find that. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen, right? Of course it could. There are deep, and it's, you know, generally it's less of the uh, cancer diagnosis or things that my enemies are surrounding me. It's more deep relational wounds that cause that. I, I, that would be my just anecdotal experience with more mature Christians. Like that's what tends to knock them off uh, this untouchable joy if there's going to be something. But I, I think that you should strive for a depth of faith that sees what you have in Christ in all situations and is able to keep that front and center. Yeah, so maybe we can, to use your words, tease this out more. It sounds like what you're saying is that real, real, biblical, Paul-like joy is rooted in—it's not rooted in my willpower. Mm. It's, it's rooted in a deep— abiding, thriving, growing relationship with Christ. That's where the roots of joy are planted and nourished and where, um, it, it, where it's found. I, I, because I, you know, when we have these, com- when Christians have these conversations, sometimes I think it's, we, we imply like, I've just got to will myself to joy. Yeah. And I often I think I think God in his grace, his love for us brings us through these trials in order to draw us in order to grow our joy. Mm. Because we are finding sounds like a, I got a country western song coming, but we're we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. And he, he's he intended for us to find joy in Christ, and so the hardship, the circumstances, the the betrayals, are from the hand of a good God who loves us and wants His best for us, and He wants joy for us, and so He takes us into these valleys in order for us to run to Christ and to see our own weakness yeah. and to understand our own weakness, and thus begin to get the joy from the source that it was intended to be, yep. not from creation. Yeah, maybe I could put it in slightly reduced words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't yeah. meant to be a slight. Uh, and this is actually, this is from what you and I were just talking about before, right before we started recording. Our joy is found in hope. Mm. The reason we are able to have joy in broken circumstances is because we have hope that transcends the circumstances. And so what what we're after is a maturity of faith that has a, uh, a, a target on the hope we have in Christ that is so central to everything that we do, that even when all the things fall down and when the relationships break and when the health diagnoses are not good and the market does poorly and the, the weather's bad, when all of those things stack up against you on the same day at the same time, you still have the hope of Christ dominating every single aspect of the brokenness. And so the hope that you have is an umbrella that covers all of it. 
absolutely all of it. Mm. So that is why the standard is joy, because the hope you have is not rooted in the circumstances. It's rooted in what Christ has done for you. Yeah, what what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, yes, and what Christ is going to do. Yeah, that's right. There's there's past, present, and future. The, yeah. the, the yeah. Bible talks about your salvation in all three tenses. Yeah, yeah. So I think what you're saying is our hope is rooted in the personal work of Christ, the promises of Christ. Um, so how how does someone that's going through deep waters? How do they begin to? How do you fight for that? Yep. So this was the, the con- conclusion to this little tangent in the sermon. I have four suggestions for you. If if you are in that spot, and you know you should have joy because you have hope in Christ, but you're finding it hard to be joyful because of whatever. Fill in the blank with any of the circumstances that there may be. You you could call it depression if you want. You could. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. You should have hope, but you're struggling to have hope. Or, or, excuse me, you're struggling to have joy. You still have hope in Christ, but you're struggling for that to work its way to where it needs to. Four tangible suggestions for you. For, and, and the first three are going to be like, oh, yeah, of course. And then the last one might be a little bit different than what you may expect. Um, first, tell yourself the gospel story as many times as you possibly can and as many ways as you possibly can. So you were just talking about willing yourself to joy. You don't, from the biblical perspective, you don't will yourself to joy. You think yourself to joy. It, it This is a battle of the mind. And we fight by thinking and dwelling and meditating on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And the more you are able to, right, that's that's the, the reason we have joy is because we have hope. The more you can keep that hope front and center in all of these circumstances, broken or not, the easier it will be when the brokenness shows up for you to say, no, 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 I have hope beyond that. I have hope beyond that, and I trust in God to bring and fight and I, really what it comes down to. I trust that God will fulfill his word in my life way more than I can do anything, and so it's my salvation, my standing in the universe is held secure by the hand of the Almighty God. And if you can remind yourself of that again and again, and, and let me put a, a asterisk on this one and have a, a 1B, be around other people who are going to remind you of that. So tell it to yourself. Find good friends. Listen to good media. Find things. Uh, fill your life up with the the harmony of the gospel music. Let that be what is just resounding off of the walls of your life. Don't let your day go by where you don't go. Look at the good nature and character of God displayed in Christ for me. Yeah, there's, as you're, that's good. There's two things that come to mind as you were talking. One, you know, you, you mentioned the battles for our mind. What happens is, though, we're, we focus on our feelings. We focus on our yes. emotions, yeah. and we are ruled by our emotions. And the truth is, I can't, I can't trust my emotions. I can't, for be candid, I can't trust my thinking. But, but if we begin to, if we really understand that our our emotions are tethered to our thinking, where in other words, where my thinking goes is where my emotions go. So if I'm if I'm really experiencing something other than joy, it's probably won't come as a surprise that my mind has been consumed with perhaps my circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, my suffering, 
it usually has some aspect to me tied to it. And it, it, and it's true for you. It's true for me. Whenever we focus on me yep. for too long, we're going to go to a dark place. My dark place may look different than your dark sure. place, but that's where we're going. And so we we do think about our situation, our circumstances, but but at some point, and I think what you're saying is, you got to get off a of self. You got to get off me. You got to get off your circumstances, and you got to put them onto the God of your circumstances. You've got to get your mind focused on what is a God who loves me. What is He doing in my life right now? Where you know how how can I demonstrate Christ in this? What what does Christ likeness look and look like? Um, the second thing that came to mind, you said the battles for the mind. It's all over Scripture, isn't it, with regards to the battles for the mind? Romans twelve two. Don't be con- don't be conformed to this world, but be trans. The, the world is consumed by their circumstances yep. and what's going on in their suffering and themselves. But don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? Not by through the, the not through the renewing mm, of my emotions, right. not through the renewing of my behavior, but through the renewing of my mind. Yeah. So f- start the fight there. Yeah. Like you said, think less of yourself and think more of Christ. Can you literally, and it may be the tiniest little thing. You may have to just set an alarm and and literally at 3.15 or whatever it is, whenever that alarm goes off, just go, just, just tell yourself, Jesus Christ took on flesh, died, was buried, and resurrected and ascended so that I can be redeemed. Great, you just told yourself the gospel. I have hope in that. Good, good. Tell yourself that. I mean, write it out in your own words. Find a way to do it. And and you will find that where the mind goes, the emotions will follow. Hmm. And joy will be a result of the fight for your mind. So that's, that's step number one and really the most important. The rest of these are... Uh, flavors of that first one in many ways. Even even in, as we talk to ourselves about the gospel, there's so many different facets of that. I mean, a good example of how Paul is demonstrating the, the gospel and thinking about it is in 2 Corinthians 4.17, when he says, for this light momentary mm-hmm. affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That that's part of the gospel. Yes. I mean, this is, in the backdrop of eternity, this is but just a, a, a blink of an eye. And there is, there is going to be a day when my suffering will be no more. And, and as my mind is fixed on being with Christ, what my mind is not fixated on in that moment is my circumstances. Can't. And that's the fight. And the fight is to put those moments together. I have a moment that I'm focused on Christ. Oh, I'm not, I'm experiencing joy. I'm not experiencing the deep sadness or depression. And then we put two of those together and then five of those together and so on. Play play defense in your mind to keep yourself out. Try do what you get. Find something that works. So that's the first suggestion. Number two, which is a subservient in many ways, but although, you know, uh, memorize scripture, yeah. go find, take Romans 12 too. 
take James chapter one, take, take one of the Romans chapter five, go grab a, just see as much of Romans eight as you possibly can and, and see of the great immense hope more than conquerors are we in Christ and just read it, just memorize it, meditate on it, mull it over in your mind as much as you possibly can. If you want to fight for joy when you don't have it, allow your mind to be trained in the beautiful ways of God's word. Yeah. That, that again, going back to the Psalms, as you're, as you mentioned that, I think a great example of that is Psalm 119. I think for most Christians, when we think about Psalm 119, we think about, oh yeah, that's that really long chapter and it's all about the word of God. What a lot of us miss is that it's a book on, that chapter is on suffering. If you look at some, some, this, the psalmist in Psalm 119 is going through deep waters and we get, we get a glimpse in his life of his fight between being focused on his circumstances and his fight to be doing exactly what you're talking about, being focused on the word of God. And so just a couple of examples, because we don't think of it as suffering, but he says, like, for example, in verse 22, take away from me scorn and contempt. There's suffering. Mm -hmm. He says, my soul clings to dust in verse 25. There's more suffering. Verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow, more suffering. Um, Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction. Uh, Verse 51, the insolent utterly deride me. Uh, it, it, and it gives, it and goes, through all of those, what goes, is he doing? He's focusing on God's word and then in it, the midst of that. Right. Suffering. He, he yeah, says, he says like in 82, my eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? They're suffering. He says a little bit later, how long shall your servant endure? Um, at verse 87, they have almost made me, made an end of me on earth. Um, but then he, then he goes on, he says, but I haven't forsaken your precepts. Through each one of the verse 96, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. Right. There's this, there's this fight. There's this fight to, to trust God and his word. What we have that the psalmist didn't have, for him, the word of God was veiled. We get a greater glory of the word of God in Christ. And so that's our fight is to memorize God's word, meditate on God's word, but it's not separated from the incarnate word of God. It's that relationship right. with Christ that we're fighting to grow in. And it's not in this trite Bible verse lady sort of way. It, it it's hey, this is the bread of life, right? This, it's it's nourishment for your soul. It is it is what you need. It's not just a. Uh, a mantra that you repeat just because it's a good thing where you just go, I don't, there's an old Seinfeld episode where uh, George's dad, who's, who's always angry, says serenity now every time he gets angry, but the, he increasingly gets angrier. So he starts screaming it, right? Serenity now, right? It's not that. It's not just something you say to help you get through the brokenness. It is a reminder of the ordering of the universe of which you are a part of. It's way deeper than that. It's way deeper than that. And that's why it helps you lead to joy. Okay, so that's number two. Third one, again, quite obvious, pray. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I, I we're going to get to this in just, I don't know, a couple weeks here. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. 
Do not be anxious about anything, what? But through prayer and supplication, make your requests made known to God. And and we were talking earlier as well. The anxiety is a very similar thing to, and, and maybe it is how you are struggling to not have joy. You go, well, I, I should have joy, but I'm anxious. What do I do? Well, you prayerfully call on God. You prayerfully call on God. You tell yourself the gospel, you memorize his word, and you prayerfully call on God. Great. You have a three-headed attack to fight for joy right there. Yeah, that's good. Can I footnote footnote three? Go for it. Yeah, again, from chapter four, in everything with prayer, and then he, he footnotes our prayer with thanksgiving. And that just, that bothered me for so long because... Mm. I thought I remember when I losing my father, and I thought, I there's nothing good. I can't be thankful for this. I I I'd be hypocrite. I can't go before God and go, thank you for taking my father. Mm. And it over time, what I learned to understand is while, especially in the deep pain and suffering, here's what I can be thank. I can be thankful, genuinely, for what that produces. So Lord, thank you. For taking my father, because, well, the obvious, right? It's it's my dad's way better off than he was before, but two, it's drawn me into a richer relationship with you. It's helped me to grow in Christ likeness. Hmm. I can be thankful, and so I I'm absolutely convinced that part of the solution out of whether we're talking about anxiousness or sadness is coming to God with a heart of thanksgiving because he's good and he only does good. And so even in my suffering, I may not see the good, but I know God does and he's working and I can be thankful for that. Find something to be grateful for. Even if it's the smallest thing, (laughs) find something, fight, fight to be thankful. Yeah. Don't live in that morose brokenness find anything, even in the most broken things, to be thankful for. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up on this, how does the pursuit of joy and everything we're talking about here, how does this impact our witness to to others? Well, hold on. I had one, I had one more tangible... Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I gave three. So... Tell yourself the gospel, memorize scripture, pray. The last one, and this is probably the one that's less, uh, it's not as frequently mentioned. Go and go be in nature. And the reason I say that is not because of some modern psychological study that shows that you release uh, whatever chemical it is, the chemical du jour, it's going to, you know, it's going to bathe your brain in serotonin. That is not why. The reason you should go be in nature is because when you are in God's good creation. It helps you to see his goodness. Yeah. Go walk. It's, it's a beautiful spring day outside today, and so it's a little easier to say this than if it was February. Um, but even in February, to, to go outside and be in God's creation. And, and if you would take Psalm 8 with you, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, right? The stars that you look at, like the glory of God and the universe, just go look at God's created order and be reminded that he made and holds all things. And that will help you fight for joy. Yeah. Psalm 19, it's both, right? Psalm 19 deals with creation and deals with the word of God, Hmm. both of those. And so... um, it puts them both together and 
that's, I think, a big part of what the psalmist is dealing with, uh, fighting for their um, the glory of God in creation, the glory of God in the Word of God. There you so, go. Good. So those four things, That's those are my suggestions. If you want to fight for joy, tell yourself the gospel, memorize God's Word, pray through that often, and go be in God's created order, remind yourself of His good work. You, to your question, what does it do for our witness? Man, is there a, a more powerful statement about the hope that you have than to be able to have joy in the midst of what should be a situation that has nothing, that looks nothing to be the, the, all of the trappings of brokenness and depression are there, and yet you have joy. People are miffed, baffled. What in the world is wrong? What is right with this people that they're able to, to have that disposition through that brokenness? I think it's, it says so much about what you have in Christ. Yeah. So in terms of, for your witness, um, yeah, it's it. Not only is it good for you, it is good for those around you to see the hope that you have. That's good. I think it opens doors. Maybe a good way to wrap this up is to um, hear from God's word in James one. You want to do these real quick, or verse you two. End on those? You know, that's um, let's uh, let's do that. Let's so let's talk real quick about some resources. Uh, in your opinion, what are some of the uh, the better books that address this fight for joy. Yeah, I have three. Uh, the first one, and in my opinion, the best one, is John Piper's When I Don't Desire God. Uh, it is very true to John Piper and very good, and a lot of what I've talked about uh, that I had in the sermon came from that book. So I would suggest that. It's going to be a lengthier suggestion. The second one's from a guy named Gerald Peterman. The, the title of it is A Joy in Tears, The Emotional Life of the Christian and he is, as he re recounts it, I'm a recovering Christian stoic is what he says, <laughs> um, that I, I was created with emotions and to learn how to understand uh, the emotions that he has as not intrinsically bad, uh, but to not let them dominate his life as well. Really, really good and interesting read. And the last one's more recent book, Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves and Winston Smith. Uh, it, it, it's it's worth doing, um, two Westminster guys and... Uh, Again, struggling through the complexity of emotions and what to do with it. So those are my three suggestions. That's good. Okay, you want to close? James chapter 1. Let's go to where it's, well, those are good. This is going to be better. James Count it 1. all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Thanks for being with us. 